Welcome to Preaching in Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Trevin Wax to the podcast. Trevin serves at Lifeway Christian Resources as managing editor of the Gospel Project. He's an author and blogs frequently at Kingdom People, hosted by the Gospel Coalition. Trevin, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, it's a delight to have you on campus today and uh, to show you around the Spurgeon Library and to record this podcast together on the topic, The Pastor as Writer. And uh, when I knew you'd be on campus, I left at the opportunity to have this conversation with you because you have accomplished yourself, uh, much yourself, and distinguished yourself greatly as a writer. And you've been blogging now for over a decade, have authored numerous books, and so I'm delighted to have this conversation with you. And prayerfully, we can encourage pastors and uh, those engaged in local church ministry towards the importance of writing and how to refine and strengthen their writing gifts. But before we hop into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's new with Trevin Wax? How are things at Lifeway? And what has the Lord placed on your heart and before you by way of ministry opportunities these days? Things are are great at Lifeway. Um, uh, We're coming up now uh, about three and a half years since we launched uh, the Gospel Project, the curriculum that I work on uh, that's used in a lot of churches across the country. So we've uh, been amazed to see how God has blessed that project. Uh, for me, most uh, recently, from an educational standpoint, as I finally, finally finished the the PhD, the doctoral work that I was doing, uh, uh, and uh, I'm glad to have that behind me and um, uh, be able to now turn to being able to read what I want and write what I want and um, spend time, uh, more time now with, with family. Well, that is a profound and glorious accomplishment, and uh, I well remember the exhilaration and relief I had simultaneously when I completed my Ph.D. Oh, yes. And you did yours at Southeastern Seminary. That's right. And what did you write on? Uh, dissertation topic was eschatological discipleship, which sounds like such a uh, 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 big topic, and it and really was. But the, the real question that I was writing on was, um, what does the worldview question of what time is it mean for our discipleship? How, do, how should discipleship incorporate this question of um, how us living in this time between the times and us being able to recognize how other people in our society live, what stories they tell, uh, what myths our culture lives by, and things like that, and be able to uh, to really speak the truth of the gospel and to understand who we are grounded in time uh, based on uh, the big story of the Bible. Oh, that's tremendous. Now, your graduation and uh, an event associated with it actually is what prompted this conversation today. I noticed several months ago when you graduated uh, through social media, and I believe you wrote an article as well in concert with it, when you graduated from Southeastern Seminary, you held a, a sign that said, I am going, and Southeastern, of course, has popularized that sign, uh, I am going to the mission field, or I'm going to pastor, I'm going to preach, and you chose to complete that phrase, I am going by, I am going to write. And that caught my attention, and I remember reading the article, which was so well done, and that occasions this conversation today. Uh, I'm curious as to your own story, and I'm sure our listeners would be as well. Uh, when did you first sort of self-conceptualize Trevin Wax as a writer? Uh, what is your story? How did you start writing? And now you've been blogging for over 10 years. What have you learned along the way? Uh, writing has been the constant for me since I was six years old. So the first time I actually conceptualized myself as a writer and thought I can actually create a story and tell it with words. Uh, I remember I was in the first grade. I remember the little story I wrote. Um, I did that throughout my elementary years, middle school, high school. I would uh, take creative writing classes and things, and 
so I, from from the time I was a, a, a little kid, I I loved to to write, to create things, to to make things, and, and words were one of the ways that that I did that. Um, I, I I knew pretty clear by the time I was um, uh, in high school that I was not going to be an engineer or a chemist because I was not a math person. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a numbers person. Definitely leave me with words, not numbers. That's just the way my brain works or so. Um, but but for me in, in ministry, uh, once I was doing mission work in Romania, and um, um, I, I always felt like when I would be reading scripture, I not only wanted to preach these wonderful treasures that I was finding in God's word, but um, I, you know, I also wanted to, to write about them. I want, mm. whenever I would, an insight would hit me from my own study of God's word or from, uh, my own, own, uh, listening to other people preach or sermons or whatnot, I I'd want to, to get that down in writing and then share that with people. And so, uh, that has been a passion of mine. Um, it started by telling stories in, in elementary and middle school, and then has progressed to, this is the way that uh, um, ministry comes out for me is to to take these insights and put them into words and share them with people. And so I believe it was 2006 when you began blogging regularly. And that was, I guess, a grand occasion of of need meeting opportunity. Uh, The platform of the blogosphere, you began writing there. What have you learned over the past 10 years of blogging? Well, that uh, the the beginning of the blog actually came out of a, a particularly uh, discouraging season of ministry. We had come back from the mission field, and um, I, I was in seminary at the time. My wife and I were uh, we had a uh, young child, and I wasn't I wasn't getting the kind of ministry outlet that I was hoping for in local church ministry as much as I'd wanted to. Working a couple of jobs, and you know how the, the seminary mm-hmm. years can be. Uh, so the the blog really was an outlet for ministry in that way. And, um, uh, you know, the Lord takes things, seeds that are planted in difficult times of our lives, and then he, he, he does things to them that we, we, we wouldn't see, uh, and except now looking back would say that, you know, the Lord was cultivating, the Lord was doing some, some work in my own heart and mind. And um, uh, over the years, um, I, I feel like I've learned a lot about blogging as a medium, as a, you know, a form of writing, uh, what works, what doesn't work, what's different between a blog and a book. Uh, other kinds of writing, you know, versus a journal article or a magazine article and things like that. Um, uh, but as far as what, one of the major, I guess, spiritual insights that I've, I've learned over the last uh, 10 years or so is that um, uh, one of the ways that you can use your gift is if, if uh, you're continually working on the craft of writing and you're seeking to serve people, through that craft. You're not seeking to simply make a name for yourself or to, to only to, to get your own thoughts out there, but you really, you want to serve people by maybe helping them see something that they haven't seen before, either in scripture or in culture from a Christian worldview, or uh, you can serve people by articulating for them what they think, but wouldn't know how to put mm. into words so that they can share that with other people. That's one of the most satisfying things for me has been when people will say, that's what I want to say, but I never would have known how to say it. Mm. And then when they pass that on, uh, you know, share that on their own social media, that really is the highest honor because they're saying, thank you for using that gift so that I could articulate this in a way that has, you know, a certain kind of heart, certain kind of passion, and, and then they can, they can pass that out. That's good. Now, I've watched you over the years. I haven't really gotten to know you that well. Really, until today is probably the most time we've ever spent together. But from observing you, I've noticed you're an eclectic writer. Uh, you show up in different formats, different places. Uh, you maintain a blog. You edit uh, the Gospel Project. And then a couple of years ago, you wrote a novel. 
And right. uh, I'm curious about that. What prompted you to write a novel? Uh, was that a fulfilling exercise? Are you going to write another one? Tell us about that. Well, uh, I, I feel like I, in writing that novel, I went back to my roots because I, I started with creative writing and, and writing a lot of stories. But uh, the novel was a way to, um, uh, uh, to, to try to combine fiction and nonfiction, apologetics and a story form. Now, sometimes you can get past people's defenses a little bit better, or you can teach through story in a way that just comes across differently than when you simply teach in a didactic manner where you're going like, you know, a, a three-point outline or something, or you have a, a very heavily outlined chapter of a book. And so uh, for me, the novel was a way to experiment and to to take the um, a very famous method of teaching, the Socratic dialogue, you know, where mm, you have an older, sure. wiser figure and you have a younger person that's um, um, trying to learn by pressing that older figure to uh, to explain the conclusions. I just took that method and said, what, what if I flesh this out, put this in a context where I, I, I know the area of Tennessee that I was going to place it in and flesh these characters out to where that older, wiser figure is a grandfather type and got a young college student who's really wrestling with his faith. And um, it was a very rewarding but a very difficult writing exercise. I've, I've never... I've worked definitely harder and longer on that book than anything else just because of the complexities of uh, fiction. It, it's it's an entirely different animal. And um, I don't know if I, I have the willpower or the, the stamina to do another one uh, anytime soon, but we'll, we'll see. Well, I just appreciate so much your, your effort and uh, your productivity. Again, you challenge us all through how um, – through how extensively you have written and what is before you by way of projects. I want to sharpen the conversation. And again, knowing that most of those listening to this podcast are pastors or ministers, those engaged in local church ministry. And we've entitled this this conversation, we've themed this conversation, The, the Pastor is Writer. Now, for many of those listening, I, I, I fear that I may lose them at this point because they may think of themselves as I'm just a preacher or I'm just a pastor, I can't write. But what I hope to, to make clear is every minister of the gospel, every pastor is a writer, at least to some degree. They may not be writing books, they might, may not even be maintaining an active website, but they're called upon to deliver words. Uh, oftentimes, it's in the form of a church newsletter. Uh, oftentimes, it's in the form of Facebook posts. It occasionally is in the form of an active, main, actively, regularly maintained website, uh, church letters of update. Uh, ever so often, it shows up as a book. But I, and perhaps most frequently of all, it shows up in the form of sermon manuscripts where pastors are drafting what they would write, uh, what they would preach in a sermon. So I want to ask you, help us to understand why would you say every pastor is a writer? Help us to make make the case, Trevin. Why should pastors think of their responsibility, uh, perhaps not their ultimate responsibility, but as one of their legitimate concerns and responsibilities to take the pen in hand, take the laptop out, and be proficient with words? Well, I, I think I would want to say that every pastor is a communicator. Um, I, I don't. I wouldn't want to put a burden on a pastor to feel like they have to to, to jump into this craft of writing and right. become an excellent writer. But every pastor should want to be an excellent communicator. So you're right. There we are delivering words. That's that's part of the calling of a, of any preacher um, who gets up and who who uh, speaks to God's people uh, on God's behalf and with God's words. So um, I, I would I would want to take that um, and say okay. If you are going to be a communicator in today's world, and if we are going to be uh, um, 
in, in this world that God has called us to be, serving the people that God has called us to, um, then we should want to communicate in the forms and places where people are. And there is a lot you can do on a Sunday morning in your sermon where you're communicating words, whether it be from a, a, a brief outline, a detailed outline, a full sermon manuscript. Um, but there are going to be people in your congregation who may not hear you in that setting um, or who um, it, it, that maybe they're in the nursery or they're not uh, they miss a Sunday or whatnot and, and may not even download and listen later to whatever it was you communicated. So one of the things that you can do as a pastor is you can take um, uh, segments of whatever it is you're preaching and you could say, um, I really I really want my 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 congregation to uh, to get this, this one illustration, this one major point. How can I take this thing that God has laid on my heart enough to preach and to, to craft it, shape it a little bit, you know, uh, to craft it in such a way that I can put it out in a different format, whether it is on Facebook, whether it is on a personal blog of some sort. Um, but, but in doing that, you're, you're not actually doing a whole lot more work. Right. You're simply extending mm. your influence with your congregation by, by reaching out in these different forms that uh, your congregation, they're already on Facebook or they uh, might be on Twitter or they might be seeing you writing in these other environments. So it's really an extension of that, of that communicating ministry that the pastor has. You know, that's, that's a very good point to make in my mind as Jog, even as you discuss this. Uh, over the years before coming to Midwestern Seminary when I served the local church as a pastor and then on other occasions as interim pastor, there'd be times when I'd preach a sermon on Sunday morning and then you realize, well, good grief, 30% of the congregation is out of town or homesick. Additionally, there was a particular point or emphasis within that sermon that I just can't let it go. Mm-hmm. And I have typed an email to the church or an e-newsletter to the church and uh, bringing home that point again. And so for those who heard it Sunday morning, they're having it reiterated. For those that missed the sermon due to circumstances of life, they're hearing it for the first time and have seen God use that. Additionally, for some who perhaps relax in their membership or haven't been there in a few weeks. It's a hook to, uh, to to reintroduce the sermon to them and the church to them and to seek to reincorporate them into the life of the church. So that's a very good point you make. I'm curious, as you have served on the mission field and as a pastor of a local church before your current ministry assignment at Lifeway, uh, any particular ways you've seen your, your gift as a writer to enhance your pulpit ministry or to, to enhance your, your pastoral leadership? Yes, when I when I was a associate pastor um, in in a church in the the South, um, I I generally I tended to be over prepared when I when you, right I, and a lot of pastors know this feeling they they've got this sermon together and then they get up there and they have to rush through point three <laughs> if they've got three points you know they've got to rush to that last point because they've spent so much time in the at the beginning part or in the introduction and they're kind of rushing towards the end and as many preaching classes as we take it seems like we we all still wrestle with that problem Absolutely. that timing problem I've been there well the writing for me freed me up a little bit because i i would uh, i would preach and teach and then realize you know um, I'd kind of I'm watching the pace of the of the the preaching and the sermon, uh, and then I'd realize, you know, I can't, I'm going to have to actually cut this part right here, just cut this out and keep going in order to make, you know, to get to this part of the sermon that I I really need to deliver today. But you don't cut it forever. You could you can actually deliver that in another form. You, so it doesn't only have to be me taking a part of my sermon that I delivered. 
um, and then putting that out for the congregation. It can also be a part of the sermon that I didn't get to or that I realized maybe wasn't the most essential thing for me to say from the pulpit, but still an important point to make. And you can follow that up. So it also is this place for this work that you're already doing and preparing to speak and teach on behalf of uh, the Lord uh, from his word. It, it's finding another outlet, another avenue, another way to get those truths out to the, to the congregation. That's very helpful. And as you have uh, helpfully clarified, the pastor is a communicator. That's right. Not every pastor is you know, extensively writing, but every pastor is a communicator. To preach is to communicate God's word. That happens most especially through the pulpit ministry, but that is oftentimes supplemented, amplified, complemented uh, through some writing ministry, newsletters, blogs, uh, adaptations from the sermons as mentioned. The other aspect of this that I found true, and I would suspect you have as well, as uh, as I have had to preach over the years, there's a certain discipline to writing out that sermon. Now, I haven't, and I don't always manuscript every sermon, but there are times when I, I simply have had to force myself to write myself clear, hmm. and in so doing, to economize my words. And I've learned, it's, it's the, like the old adage that if you're not able to teach a subject, then you don't really know a subject. Similarly, in the pulpit I found over the years, there are times when in order to, to be clear enough of what the text is saying to communicate it verbally, I had to force myself to write myself clear to make sure the next day or the, forth, the upcoming Sunday I was prepared to preach it. So we're making the case, and I, I trust we're doing so in a winsome and helpful way, that, that the pastor is a writer. The pastor's a communicator. The pastor's a writer. Maybe that's a capital W with a public writing ministry with books and blogs. Maybe that's a lowercase w uh, with church newsletters and the occasional adaptations of a sermon. Assuming we've made that case, Trevin, help us to understand, help us to, to learn, how do we strengthen our writing gifts? Lead us forward. Well, I think one of the, the best ways to start is to, um, to know when you are writing something, who is the intended audience? Um, it's, it's easy when you're in the pulpit to be able to look out at your church congregation and say, this is who I'm writing for. But when you're going to write, particularly online, that's an important question to ask yourself. Am I writing this for my congregation? Or am I, am I writing this uh, for pastor friends of mine? Or am I writing this for other people in ministry that may benefit from outside of the church? Having that clear in your mind, I think, is one way that it will, um, is one, one way that it will direct your, your writing. You know, they, they always say that one of, the peop- one of the reasons people freeze up, they get afraid to write, is because they're, they're afraid of the blank page, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're afraid of their reader. Hmm. They don't really know who that reader is. So I, I find it helpful to, to think about the people in your congregation or other people in ministry or pastors, depending on where you're writing or where that article might go or what, whatever it might be, whatever opportunities you have to write. Really think about who's going to uh, be uh, reading these words and then pray about how you can serve them. How do you serve these people best in what you, what you write? And I'm curious, is, as one potential uh, mistake along these lines is when pastors, they don't they're not mindful when they're writing specifically to the church family as opposed to the broader community, and especially those who minister in, let's say, small town or small community settings. You know, it's one thing to uh, make a, a, an article for your church that you send out via, via email, but it's another thing to, to post something on your Facebook page that perhaps many of your friends or just people from the community you met at the post office, the restaurants, the gas stations. And if you're not intentional about what you're, you're communicating to who, you can fall in all sorts of pitfalls, can you not? That's true. That's true. So it is very important to think about your, your audience. And, and, and another thing to think about um, as you're writing is to know, your, to know both your limits and your expertise. Uh, 
one of the the things that's so easy for us in the culture that we live in now, where everybody is expressing themselves on mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter and you know Instagram, and I mean, there's just so many ways for people to to come forward with their opinions. Uh, it can be very easy for a pastor to to not really think about the ramifications of whatever it is that they might want to share their opinion about. It's it's one thing for a pastor to share an opinion out. You know, you're at a um, fellowship with your Sunday school class or your life group, community group or something, and you're standing around the grill barbecuing. It's another thing to put that out online where it could be shared or it could, you know, make the newspaper if it's right. something that's really offensive. So you, you've got to you've got to think carefully about what it is you're communicating in words because words have a weight that are different than just when you're speaking off the cuff. And so um, I, I encourage pastors to be very careful to know their limits, where where Maybe maybe I've got an opinion on something, but that's not really where my expertise is. I'm a I'm a you know a man of the book. I'm a man of, of God's word. I'm going to stay here where my expertise is, and that's where I'm going to uh, to really focus my energies. Because um, if you don't do that, you your writing could could actually cause a distraction in your ministry, and that could be um, problematic for for the congregation. That's good. And you know, as you and I have this conversation today. Uh, this is an election cycle, and That's we are right. subjected through social media to endless uh, political pontifications and uh, political assessments, and, and everyone has an opinion on every candidate, and, and you stop and think, good grief. Uh, 90% of what I'm reading through my, my Twitter feed is not based in fact. It, it's someone's conjecture. It, it's oftentimes very emotional, and it's just altogether unhelpful. And as ministers of the gospel, we don't want to be typecast in that by by writing knee-jerk posts or a, a, a poorly thought-through article. We want to be good stewards of the word that God has entrusted to us. Yeah, we, we if we are true to who God has called us to be, then we are going to be people who take the truth seriously. And we also have to be civil because, I mean, we, we ought to be leading the way in civility and truth-telling. And if we are not seen that way in our writing online— then we undercut our message, and that really does affect our our overall ministry. So you're helping us to know how to strengthen our writing gifts. You said we need to know our audience. Uh, You said we need to know our limits and our expertise. There's a third thing we need to have in mind. Yeah, I I think you ought to read pastors who do this well, who are good communicators and good good writers. And I I think uh, one of the ways to do this, if you're Look at how pastors utilize, pastors that are respected, utilize different forms of writing and different formats of writing. Uh, Look to see how this particular pastor writes in a church newsletter. Look to see how this particular pastor writes. It's great to always learn from other people. How do they do a Facebook post? What is is the, not just what do they say on a blog uh, that they might write personally, but what is it that is... uh, uh, what, what is it that makes that blog effective for them as a pastor? Why are they uh, seeing that as a, um, a good extension of their own ministry? I, I find it helpful to, to look at pastors who are, who are writing uh, um, online, maybe in, in um, either books, but for most of us, it's going to be more blogs, Facebook, social media, and, and to ask what it is that, that they're doing and to, to seek to emulate the best uh, who do this. And then maybe also, you probably have pastor friends you can learn from too that have, have stepped into uh, uh, situations that they are uh, embarrassed about and they would tell you, oh, steer clear of this. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, things like that. Um, and, and then, of course, there's just simple things uh, like um, maybe have someone proofread whatever it is you're going to write. Just make sure, you know, in your spelling and in your 
uh, grammar is is good. And that's uh, speaking. The pastor can be a great communicator from the pulpit. That doesn't necessarily mean that that pastor is going to be an excellent writer. That's right. Two very different styles of communication. So one of the things you can do, or the pastor, if you're listening and you're you're feeling like, oh, I, this is another thing to add to my plate. Well, you know, go ahead and and write what out what it, whatever it is. Write out what you're thinking, and maybe you know, find a, a a friend. Maybe it's your wife, someone else to come alongside, help you shape that a little bit. Make sure that that uh, uh, is good, done excellently, and then you could put that out and, and feel confident about it without it adding too much time and um, pain to your schedule. That's good. Now you're suggesting ways we can strengthen our our writing abilities. And before we move on to uh, to your fourth suggestion, I want to have a, a mild digression here because you touched on a subject that I think is very important. I remember many years ago I was serving local church setting, and we were looking to plan a men's event. So we're looking at who we might invite. And so we, we selected a person to come and speak based upon a couple of books they had written. And this was before the Internet age was in full bloom when you can you know, view sermons from people and all that. This was very early Internet age. And so we made the decision based upon the fact that this person had written several really good books that he was going to be an electric speaker. And boy, were we disappointed. Uh, <laughs> he was a good author, yes, but he was a, not a good speaker. Uh, help our listeners to know how might they know if they are gifted to write? Uh, what are some signs to know if this is a gift worth cultivating and, and refining? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, one of the best ways that you can tell is when it's like getting into the uh, the shallow end of a pool. Y- you you throw a couple of things out there and you see what happens. What do people say? How do people respond? How do they react? Do they are, are people that uh, are reading what you're writing? Ask for some people who can give you honest honest feedback. Uh, we we don't need you know the, these. Um, it's funny these these talent shows on television where. Someone gets up and, you know, America's Got Talent or American Idol or something like that. And the, uh, the judges come out and say, this person can't sing. But they've been told all their life right. by their family members <laughs> that they are amazing, you know. Um, you don't need that. Right, if right. You're gonna, you've, you've got to be able to open yourself up to, to criticism. And as preachers, we, I mean, we got that in preaching class. I mean, I don't know about you, but preaching class is one of the most awkward. Oh, absolutely. Awkward it's... things. I mean, everyone's grading you, you know, but you really do need that as a preacher. You need people to actually grade you on the craft and how it is that you're delivering God's word. Uh, you need the same thing with writing. So you may find a couple of people that 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 you respect that actually do this well, uh, some friends or maybe some family members and who will give you very honest feedback. And I would start there. Um, but then I'd also I'd also recommend reading some good writing books. You know, there's some great books out there that um, help you see what good writing is versus bad writing. And um, there, there's there's plenty of resources out there that will help inflame your passion for writing, but then also help you with the craft of it to to really hone that that skill. And I think over time, if you do that, and if you get feedback from people that even if they say it at the beginning. This isn't great. Keep working on this, and you and you keep working. And if you finally are able to to see yourself growing in this, and people are affirming that gift in you, I think that's when, just like any gift that the Lord gives us, that we ought to see that, cultivate it, and seek to move forward and serve the Lord with it. And so you've already alluded to it, but your fourth suggestion was read writing books, utilize tools that will help. I, I'm curious, is there a particular book or two that come to mind, Trevin, that have been helpful to you over the years or that you've recommended for others to use? Yes, I'm thinking of one I see it in my head. I can't remember the, the I think the, the name of the author is Patricia O'Brien, but the one book called Words Fail Me mm-hmm. That's is, very a, good. is a great book. Um, uh, On Writing Well by Zenser is That's a right. 
well-known book. Um, Stephen King's book on writing is considered a classic. It has some language and some uh, some things in it, so I, I can't give that a blanket recommendation. But there's certainly some some very good uh, insight into the craft of writing in in a book like that. Um, but uh, uh, these are books that uh, will and then some style books. You know, the um, uh, I, I'm thinking of like uh, the craft of research, if you're doing mm-hmm. research kind of writing. There's just different different styles and, and ways of writing. If you look online, you'll see a bunch of um, uh, recommended resources from a lot of different writers. Well, and look, we have to acknowledge that there is no final victory. You never graduate to where you don't need to pull a resource or you know jog your memory. Is this a who or a whom? That's <laughs> these, right. these different just tactical matters that we have to be refreshed with. We have to have folks that uh, help us edit. We have to learn to edit ourselves. And I remind even in the context of this conversation, Trevin, as we as we pull this to a close, um, you think about church history and, and the great individuals who have impacted the church in mighty ways. Um, often that was done through the pulpit, but often that was done through the pen. Sure. And oftentimes, most of all, those two things work together. I mean, what did Calvin and Luther do? They banged away every Sunday preaching, but they banged away Monday through Saturday writing and circulating those sermons. You think about the great Charles Spurgeon. We're doing this recording in the context of the Spurgeon Library here, and of course he preached thousands of sermons uh, multiple times a week, but he wrote literally hundreds of thousands of words, whether it was through the Sword and the Trial or other books or his sermons that were published, and he just was this, uh, just this, this endless fountain of energy that just kept channeling and marshalling forward for the cause of Christ. And so the pulpit and the pen, worthy of those great men who cultivated and leveraged both for the kingdom and worthy for us uh, with our uh, with fully being fully minded of our own giftings or lack of gifting, of our own context, our own setting, our own platform or lack of platform, wherever we are, but seeking to, to really strengthen both of those gifts, our preaching ministry and our ability to write as communicators, as those entrusted with the gospel and with the message that we need to convey. Trevin, it's been an absolute delight to have you on campus today and to have this conversation with you. And, uh, man, I just want to thank you, brother, for your work and encourage you and say Godspeed, press on, uh, keep riding for the glory of Christ and, uh, and for the church. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.